where did you get this shirt? Well, this is a well shirt, and you don't have to get one only if you really love Jesus. And so this is the. But they're on our website, and you can pick them up there. And all the profits go to the general fund of the church, which is kind of cool. And just really blessed to uh, to be able to kind of show our church off as I go out in public. We're looking at spiritual gifts, by the way. Spiritual gifts, and the title of this series is I'm Not Weird, I'm Gifted. And today we're going to start the second half of this sermon series, and we're going to be talking about the edgy gifts. Nobody has a problem with the gift of teaching or the gift of service or the gift of helps or the gift of administration. What people have trouble with basically are these three gifts, healing, prophecy, and tongues. And those are gifts which a lot of people struggle with who live in North American and Western European culture because we have a very secular way of thinking. Even though most Americans believe in God, we've got a secular mindset and we have a hard time with these more obviously supernatural gifts. So we're going to spend one week on each one of them. This week, healing. Next week, prophecy. And prophecy, by the way, is not fortune-telling. It's not God giving you a crystal ball about the future. It's not foretelling. It's forth-telling. It's God speaking forth. Prophemi means to speak forth. Prophecy, to speak forth. And it's basically saying, thus says the Lord. This is what God would say in this situation. It often has future ramifications, but it's not future-based. It's God speaking into our world at this moment. And we on the trustees team are going to be meeting very soon on the 17th. And we're going to be asking the Lord to give us the themes for all of our teaching for the next year and for the main theme for 2021. Ask, Seek, Knock back there on the back wall in the corner was this year's theme. And next year's theme is going to be given to us. And we basically just get quiet and we we pray and ask the Lord to speak to us. And he does. This year he gave us all of these series all in a row. And we had them all ready to go in November. And they all seem to fit exactly what we were going through. The one about the desert and the wilderness, how to get through hard times with faith, we had no idea that was coming. And sure enough, it hit. And so we like to listen and be led prophetically. And we're going to talk about prophecy next week. And it's the one gift that the Apostle Paul says, hey, uh, speaking in tongues is cool, but I, I really wish you all would prophesy. I really wish you all would speak for the Lord. And when he gives you a word, to share it. We'll talk about that. And all of you can do that, by the way. That's not some gift just for superheroes. Tongues and interpretation, that's also a very edgy gift because we like to be in control in Western culture. We like to be in charge and we like to have things just the way they are. But I've got some surprising things to teach on that because um, the Lord showed me some really fun stuff along the years, and it's going to be very light and not heady and all that stuff. So we're going to look at those three gifts, the edgy gifts. And if you're in a really established church, these are the gifts that you don't hear about because they can rock the boat and they can they can get countercultural. Today we're going to talk about healing, and we're going to look at some key questions here. In our coast-to-coast men's group, which is just fantastic, by the way, and those of you men listening to me here in person or online, it's the finest Bible study I've ever been a part of. It's on Monday mornings. Let me know, and I'd love to give you the link for that. It's on Zoom. And we looked at this on Monday. And here's the questions we looked at. What role does human faith play in healing? Do we have an expectation deficit? Do we expect too little? 
with healing? I think the answer to that is obvious. Here in Western culture, we, we expect very little from supernatural healing. Number two, is healing in heaven biblical? People have often said, well, this person will either get healed here or in heaven someday. Is that biblical? And we're going to look at a really interesting story from the Bible on that. Are there limits to healing? And we Americans like to think there's no limits to anything. Go to the moon, sure, we'll go do that. You know, we'll, we'll just do whatever we need to do. But are there limits to healing? Because the Bible tells us if we had faith, we can do anything, move mountains, all that kind of stuff. Are there limits? The last I checked, nobody has, through faith, prayed to live to be 200 made it. It doesn't seem to happen. Or growing a limb back. I've never seen that happen either. I've seen people raised from, I haven't seen people raised from the dead, but I've heard about people getting raised from the dead. But I have not uh, seen anybody or heard of anybody, even in anecdotal stuff, never heard about anybody growing a limb back. So are there limitations to, to, uh, Bill, seen somebody grow a limb all the way back? Like an arm gone? I'll talk to you about that later. That's pretty cool. (laughs) Now that I can believe. I've seen legs. I've seen legs. Uh, yeah, that. Yeah, exactly. What, what's with that? And what? Right, exactly. So the one came out to, to meet it. I've actually seen that happen too. But I'd, I want to hear the story about the, the like cutting off your arm and have one grow back. That'd be pretty cool. I just wish I had another set of teeth. I think I th- if we get baby teeth and adult teeth. I think we should get brand new teeth by the time we're like 40 and we can just, you know, just start out with those. That'd be great. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Next Sunday, I've got this big smile. <laughs> and what is it about the global South? You, you've ever been on a mission trip or you've heard stories from the global South. People expect miracles there and they happen a lot. And uh, I've told you guys this before. I talked to a, a friend of mine from the global South as a pastor and, I says, why? Have you ever heard of like raising from the dead? And he says, oh, yeah, 10 or 12 times. I said, well, that's cool. I said, what, what should I know about this? He says, it's very important. He says, to get there very quickly. <laughs> so I, I suppose that makes sense. The longer you go, the harder it is. But uh, what about the global south? So we're going to talk about that and uh, we look at these sort of things. But here we're going to talk about God's part and our part in healing. This is really where the tension is. And I'd love to relieve that tension, but I can't. Because there is tension between God's part and our part. What's the danger of making our part too important and God's part being too small? Well, the danger for that is pretty pretty obvious. It's like God is a vending machine. If we put in the right quarters, it's all going to come out. And we're the ones who decide who gets healed. It's just all us. So if we say the right things and and use the right words and have the right faith, it's going to happen just like that. And God is just passive. We're the active people in that. And the other side is just as dangerous. Well, I'll just sit back and let God heal me if he wants to, but I'm not going to really engage this because I don't think it's going to work. I mean, there's a, there's a, we can be too passive on our side or we can make God too passive. And the truth is there's going to be tension between the two. God's part is the powerful part, of course. But our engaging healing makes a big difference, and the extent to which we engage that makes a big difference in healing. Faith has a lot to do with it, and we're going to talk about a woman in the Bible to whom I aspire. I wish I had the faith that she has. She's amazing. And at least once in my life, I want to act out this way. Not just believe it, but act in this way. I, I want to have the kind of faith that I'm going to be showing you, because that shows a woman who engages. It's God's power, but it's her engagement through faith. And 
we can we can tip this balance both ways. There's a gutter ball on both sides of this bowling alley. And the idea that it's all about us, if we just have the right faith, everything's going to happen. Or if it's all about God, um, we'll just let him decide. We'll just put it up to him. And we won't engage with faith. The truth is, we've all seen people with remarkable faith who've gotten healed, who may not have been healed without that sort of exceptional faith. The people just say, I'm like John Ellis from our church. By the way, pray for John. John is uh, somewhere in Texas taking an exam, a CPA exam on sales tax. He wants to become an expert in sales tax from all the states. So these big companies who get sales tax everywhere, who'd want that? But he's taking a test in that. And John Ellis had a terrible stroke, terrible stroke. He was told he couldn't walk, couldn't work, made have to learn to talk again, all that stuff. And he says that was not an option. Not getting healed was not an option. And he had exceptional faith. And as you know, he's picked up running now the last few weeks, which I he was unable to do for a long time. And he's going after all these new CPA things and everything else. And I really do believe a lot of that has to do with his exceptional level of faith. He's like this woman who grabs the robe and says, not getting healed is not an option. And that's the way he puts it. Not getting healed is not an option for me. I can't sit around and stroke patients the rest of my life. I need to go for this. I don't, I'm not ready for this yet. So there will be tension. And this is what I like about Martin Luther. Sometimes I'm not the world's biggest fan of Lutheranism, but Luther himself was pretty cool. Uh, Luther refused to write a systematic theology. And the reason he refused to write one is because there's, there's too much tension in the Bible. You've got to leave it there. The Bible, the Bible is true because it reflects the same tension we live in. Luther was asked, can you lose your salvation? He says, well, according to the Bible, yes and no. Is there, is there predestination? Yes and no. It depends on which verses you pick, and we live in that tension, don't we? What's God's part in healing? What's our part? What's our engagement? What's his power? How does our engagement and his power come together? How do we, how do we engage God like this woman I'm about to read about? Is faith the catalyst like this red bowling ball here for these uh, dominoes? Is faith the thing that makes healing happen? Or is the power primarily from God? And we're going to see in this story that Jesus felt the power go out of him. So it wasn't the woman who was generating the power. Faith is a catalyst for healing, no question. But when we pray for healing, it's best to pray boldly and also to leave some things up to God. That, but isn't that a, that's a tough tension to be in, isn't it? That, the tension in between those two things. I wish there was a simple way to teach on this. But there isn't. But there's a great Bible story, so let's look at it. Mark 5, 25 through 34, if you want to look this up in your Bibles. I know very few people have paper Bibles anymore, and you've got phones, and you've got all kinds of Bible programs, and you can check on what I'm saying and everything else nowadays. But Mark 5, 25 through 34. Now, a certain woman had a flow of blood for 12 years. Now, that does not sound like fun. A flow of blood for 12 years. Can you imagine? I mean, this is a woman who the monthly thing became the daily thing. It just stayed there. It just kept going and going and going. I just can't imagine anything worse than that. And had suffered many things from many physicians. <laughs> so she was, you imagine medical care in the first century? I, I, I just can't even imagine rusty tools and the, the whole thing. And uh, oh, just, I, no, no, just thank goodness they didn't do colonoscopies back then. But anyways, uh, <laughs> 
That's the senior selfie. We'll leave that alone. Uh, but suffered under many things from many physicians. She'd spent all that she had. It was no better. And we all know people that have been through the, the medical rigmarole. They go from place to place, and, and it just goes around and around and around. Nothing seems to get better. And you wonder, are these drugs worse than the, than the disease itself? We've all had bad reactions from drugs of some kind or another, where they're like, ooh, you know, is this is something we want to take? I'm not saying don't take drugs. I'm just saying it's complicated. It's complicated out there. And the, the more powerful the medicine, the more powerful the side effects. You know, you, you've got to kind of weigh those things out. Do we want to take this or not or what? And so she'd been through this whole thing. Medical care, praise God, has come a long ways. We've got two nurses up in the front who will tell you they'd rather practice in this century than the first century. So that's just the way it is. Can you imagine that in the first century? I, no, no. When she heard about Jesus, she came behind him in the crowd and touched his garment. For she said, if only I may touch his clothes, I shall be made well. Not might, not could, not we'll see. This is bold faith. I have never acted out in this kind of faith, and I intend to at some point. I, I hope I get an opportunity at least once in life, not just to think this, but to act this way. Isn't it cool? She thought it, and she said it, and she grabbed it. How cool is that? When people's words and thoughts match up with their deeds, unlike some of the politicians we've seen floating around, you know, just right wing, left wing, doesn't matter. Very often, our biggest complaint about politicians is what? They promise things and they don't come through with them. This is somebody who said something, thought something, said something, and did something. Actions following thinking, following words. I shall be made well. Now, she's engaging him. Does she think she has the power for healing? No, she doesn't. She believes it comes from. So she's got a real good sense of God's part and our part, but she also has a daring about her. And there's something about daring prayer. If you want to get healed, ask a kid to pray for you. Uh, it's uh, Yeah, Everett's over there with uh, the kids right now, but if I was really sick, you know, I love all of you, but I think I'd grab, grab Everett because kids, kids pray just boom like this. They, yeah. My son and I, we were trying to fly standby to, to visit his grandma, my mom. And he loves his grandma to this day, just loves his grandma. They've got this little thing going like grandparents and kids often have. And we were flying standby and they said, sorry, the plane's full. And they shut the door. And once they shut the door, that's kind of it. And I said, oh, so that's such a bummer, Lars. And this was back when he had real simple faith of a kid. And he grabbed my hand and said, let's just pray. I said, okay. Let's do that. And so he praises, dear Lord, I want to see grandma. And they opened the door and said, we miscounted. There's two seats. <laughs> and I feel bad for the people who, who actually got evaporated by God. So we get those seats, but, <laughs> but still, but still uh, it's, I, but that's the kind of faith that you want to be around that the daring woman of faith. I wish we knew her name because I think we should all name our daughters after this person. Because it's just really, really cool how this happened. And it's, it's the perfect illustration of God's part, our part, and a bit of daring, and just edging into that edgy relational thing with God and going after Jesus. All your songs were turning your eyes on Jesus, focusing on Jesus, focusing. You can't go wrong with that. Immediately, the fountain of her blood was dried up. Fountain, that's a pretty dramatic word. And she felt in her body that she was healed of affliction immediately. 
felt in her body that she was healed of affliction. And Jesus, immediately knowing himself that power had gone out of him, turned around in the crowd and said, who touched my clothes? Because he had felt the power go out of him. And uh, I love what the disciples said. You see this multitude thronging you? And you say, who touched me? This was obviously pre-COVID. Nobody was socially distancing at this thing. And there's people crowding. Don't you kind of, even introverts, don't you kind of miss crowds a little bit? Just, no. <laughs> there's a true introvert. But I, I miss wedding receptions and I miss, uh, I miss crowded stuff and, and all that kind of thing. So, uh, yeah, who touched me? And the disciples are making fun of Jesus, which is never a good idea. But anyways, verse 32, and he looked around to see her who had done this thing. But the woman, fearing and trembling, knowing what had happened to her, she got caught. She was expecting just to get healed and kind of slip away. Came and fell down before him and told him the whole truth. I'm sorry. Probably apologized. And he said to her daughter, your faith has made you well. So faith has something to do with it. We can't just passively sit back and say, okay, God, maybe it's you. Well, I brought you an illustration thing. This is one of my favorite things in the world. I don't know why, but I love these automatic soap dispensers. This one's from the bathroom in there, so if men, you'll just have to wait to go to the bathroom until after the service. But um, this, this is one of those things. What's God's part? What's our part? Well, who supplies all of the healing? That would be God. How much does it cost? Nothing. Nobody ever charges you for using one of these soap things. But we have a part, don't we? Oh, soap, come to me. Nothing. Nothing happens. What do we have to do? We have to put out our hand. I'm going to do the soap now. But um, anyways, it... Uh, no, I never thought, didn't think it through. But isn't this a perfect illustration about how God works? We have to put our hand out, like the woman did, reach out and take it. We have to reach out and take it. We have to engage God in a bit of a daring way sometimes. And I think the truth is some of us really don't want to get healed sometimes. I think sometimes we coddle our diseases. I'm not saying everyone does. Please hear me. If you're a person struggling with a serious thing, I'm not blaming you. But I've had people in my family who will remain unnamed who coddled their diseases. And it became their vocation. It became what they talked about all the time. And it was their kind of their hobby. And who, who hasn't seen that? Come on. I mean, we've all seen that from time to time where people just coddle their disease and it's all they ever talk about. And I ask myself, do you really want to get healed? I don't think so because Jesus would ask people sometimes. Do you want to be healed? Because the answer is not always clear. Sometimes, I tell you, in grade school, if my temperature was a little bit high, awesome, I can read comic books for the day. I mean, we, we did that from time to time, didn't we? Hoping to get sick so we can check out. That's, well, maybe you didn't, but I did. I've heard people say, this is the second question. I've heard people say that, uh, well, I'm going to pray for healing for so-and-so, but at least if they go to heaven, they'll get healed. And I thought, is that in the Bible? And I found out on Monday, last Monday, that it is. Jesus came back from wherever he went after he was crucified, and his wounds were healed. 
there's still scars there, but they were healed. So he was healed in the hereafter, whatever that hereafter was for him, but he came back that way. And so, yes, it is biblical to say that. But what I would not do, though, is use that as a backstop for not praying boldly and daringly like this woman did. Well, if this woman doesn't get healed, she could just bleed the rest of her life, and maybe she'll get healed in heaven. We don't want to use that as a way of not having that daring prayer or as an excuse not to do it. Are there limitations to prayer? This is uh, really ugly pictures, but this is Behemoth and Leviathan. And they're in Job 40 and 41. And this is the conclusion to the book of Job. And it's a beautiful passage. Job's getting a little uppity, just a little uppity. And he's kind of questioning God toward the end. He's, he's held off to the end. But he's had a rough time. He's had a 20-20 year, really. I mean, just really, really bad. And God comes back to him with Behemoth and Leviathan. He says, you have no power over these symbolic animals. These animals stand for those things which you don't really have power over. You can have all the faith in the world, and you can't take off and fly home through the air by yourself with, with no mechanical help. It's not going to happen. There are limitations. There are some limitations. The Bible says 120 is the limit for age. And there's been one woman certified since then who claims to have lived to 122 in France. And that's kind of sketchy. There's a line there. I hope that I make it to 116 because I know that's this side of the line. Because, uh, well, anyways, I was real disappointed with the bicentennial, so I want to see the tricentennial give it another shot. But it was it was really boring, so I give it one more try. But uh, anyways, there are limitations. And God says through this story of Behemoth and Leviathan, there are limitations. I have some lines here. In the, He chalks the football field. We play the game, but there's some out of bounds. There's some things we can pray for that are out of bounds. Nobody's going to live to be 200. Uh, nobody's going to fly home today after church, no matter how much faith you have. There's certain things we can't do. And there's certain things that aren't going to happen. So there's some reasonable limitations to that. What about the global south? There are so many people in the global south who have dramatic healings. Whoa, whoa. Dramatic healings. There we go. Dramatic healings. And they seem to um, have a sense of expectation. Well, is it just because they don't have good health care and so they're desperate? That could be part of it. But I think another part of it is they have a spiritual worldview. Most people in the global south don't have a secular worldview. They, they have a spiritual worldview. And they think in terms of the spiritual realm being important. Now, what I'm saying here is not that the physical realm isn't important. It is. The mental realm is important, too. But so is the spiritual realm. And if you've done any work in the global south, you realize they think differently than we do. And their level of expectation is higher about what can happen. We often, how many of you, when you've been tempted to be daring in your faith, have sat back and thought, I don't really want to be daring in my faith because I don't want to explain this to people if it doesn't happen. We start to have that inner dialogue. We start to, to think, uh, you know, Maybe this won't happen and all that kind of stuff. And next thing you know, we're, we're, we're kind of thinking like that. Whereas in the global south, people say, 
I'm going to grab the hem of his robe. Let's go for this thing. Let's, let's go for health and strength. And the Bible, it's not... In the Bible, the biblical words for healing and disease are not symptoms and no symptoms. It's weakness and strength. The words are parallel to weakness and strength. Do we want to live weakly or do we want to live strong? We're not going to live perfect physical lives here. I've got a traveling ache in my body, and it goes from my right shoulder to my left knee and travels around. It's always in one place. It's like, where are you today? Well, you're here. Um, we have these little aches and pains and stuff, and we're going to have those in life. We're going to have issues. We're going to have stuff that happens in our lives. That's just the way it is. But can we have an expectation of going from weakness to strength? I don't just pray for, when I'm praying for healing, I don't just pray for a cessation of bad symptoms. I pray for a person to be able to function with strength in life. And there's people who can function in strength with life. And I think that that's really important to pray into strength. And this is a phrase I use all the time. Pray the promise and not the problem. Pray for health and strength, not just against symptoms. Because if we focus on just the symptoms, we get more of what we focus on often. What do they say when you're on a tightrope? I don't know. I've never been on a tightrope. But what would they say? They say, don't look what? Don't look down. Don't think, what if I fall? Think about walking to the other side. And it's really key here, I think, to, to remember that and to stay focused on that. Because unbelief, the story of faith of this woman is fantastic. There's another story that's the opposite in the same book. Mark 6, 5 through 6. Now this is Jesus. Now Jesus could do no mighty work there, except that he laid his hands on a few sick people and healed them. He marveled because of their unbelief. And he went about the villages in a circuit teaching. There was a town in which even Jesus had trouble because of the atmosphere and the way people think and the mentality and the worldview. I think Jesus would have trouble with healing in North America. I think he would because people would not be as receptive as they were in first century Judea or Galilee. So he's got a, there is a receptivity issue. And I think it's so important that we... Think in terms of what is my mindset? Is my mindset basically spiritual, mental, or physical? What do I... Doctors are important. Medicine is important. But so is the spiritual side of it. And Jesus would say the spiritual side is a bit more important. Focus on that and then move towards the physical. He wouldn't be anti-doctor. He would just say, you know, focus on that. And Tamara brought up a good thing this morning. This is uh, in the prayer meeting. She was praying. Is there something about the way we're thinking or our behavior that causes the sickness? Do we sometimes have to go to the root of the problem and not just get the symptoms healed? Now, please hear me. If you're dealing with a terrible disease, a terrible diagnosis, I'm not blaming you and saying, well, there must be some sin in your life or something that you need to work on. I'm not doing that. It's bad enough to be sick. It's worse to have it, people say it's your fault. I mean, that's just, just not very nice. But when people, when I am sick, I try to ask myself, is there something in my life I'm doing that's causing this? Am I eating the wrong food? Am I not exercising? Am I not resting enough? Which is usually the case. Is there something I'm doing? 
I was in a healing line once. I was praying for people, and there were a whole bunch of people lined up coming forward for a he- in a healing service. And this woman, who was triple her body weight, walked up and said, would you please pray for my knee? My knee's hurt. And I did, and I didn't say anything. But who thinks that there's a root issue there that is causing the knee trouble? I'm not talking a little bit overweight, just huge. And please hear me, I'm not coming down on her. We've all got issues. But those issues, some hers are just more obvious because they're visual. We've all got issues. And those issues can cause health problems. So we have to ask ourselves, am I keeping a Sabbath? Am I eating food that looks like the food God made or just something that God wouldn't recognize? Am I in loving relationships with people that are supportive of me? Am I around people who nurture me and help me feel good? Those kind of things. Am I worshiping and praying? Am I in the word? I mean, those kind of things help a lot. So sometimes it's not about going after the symptoms. It's about going after the source. We have to pull up the dandelion by its roots. And sometimes there are some roots there. Please hear me. I'm not coming down on people if they're sick and saying, there is something in there. We better get it out. You know, out, that was spirit of nicotine or something. I don't, we're not going to do that. So practicalities, ask, act, persevere. The woman says she just, she didn't ask, she just took it, but she acted. And there's something about persevering. There's a story in the Bible about a, a nagging woman who just keeps nagging this authority saying, if I, uh, and she, he finally gives in just because he's tired of her. There's something to be said for going after something and saying, I'm not, like John Ellis from our church, I am not stopping until my life is back together. He's running again. He's doing a CPA test. He's doing all this good stuff, putting his life back together. And that's tenacious perseverance. Also, a book which was recommended in our Bible study, which I would strongly recommend, is The Healing Light by Agnes Sanford, probably one of the best books on healing ever written. Just fantastic, fantastic book. And a lot of the stuff that um, Denise Siemens does and other things have come through that whole sort of, we've had a couple healing things here that she's led. And it's been really, really good stuff. So if you want to know more than I know, and that's pretty easy, I'm no expert on healing. Uh, The Healing Light by Agnes Sanford is a great place to start. So some practicalities. One, obedience. Don't think in terms of systems, structures, and everything else, but just obedience to the Lord. When the Lord asks you to pray for someone for healing, pray for healing. Pray boldly. Be open to what the Lord's saying to you. Very often when it comes to healing, we shut off the Jesus radio and don't listen. And God might have something really important to say about our healing. And number two, this is so important. Love, not ego, is the powerhouse behind healing. Love is the power that makes healing go. And I want to share a picture. I know we're getting close to lunch, and this looks awful good. But this is so important. Lynn Theraldson from our group, a men's group, he shared this, and this was so powerful. He says, have you noticed that the two big chapters on spiritual gifts, 1 Corinthians 12 and 14, in the middle is 1 Corinthians 13, which is the beef in the middle of the buns, is about love. And this chapter was not designed to be read at weddings, even though it fits at weddings. I've been to a billion weddings where they've read this passage, and that's just fine. But that's not what it's intended for. It was intended to be stuck like a sandwich between the two chapters on spiritual gifts, 
right in the middle of it is, but if I speak with tongues like angel and I do all these other things, but I don't have love, it's not going to work. Love is the key to healing. Prayers that are soaked in love are really powerful. Not ego, like I, 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 my prayer is going to heal this person and they're, I'm going to get the credit. That, that's ego as opposed to, that's the flesh, that's not love. If you're praying for someone for healing, ask the Lord to give you exceptional love for that person. Because that love for that person is going to be the conduit through which God can send his power. And your prayer is going to be accurately for that person because you want the best for that person. You don't want just a story to tell, oh, that person got healed and I was praying for him. It's, it's more about, wouldn't it be cool if you got to pray for someone and he or she was dramatically healed and they didn't remember who you were? That would be perfect. That would be throwing a strike. That would be a touchdown pass. That, it doesn't get better than that. To pray for someone and they forget that you were there. They, someone prayed for me, but I don't remember who. That would be cool. Because then that means a prayer in love was made a prayer that was focused on the person. And if you have, if you worry about the power of your prayers not really getting through, ask the Lord to give you more love for the person you're praying for. And the power will flow. That's why Paul put 1 Corinthians 13, the love chapter, between the two gifts chapters to make sure that we remember that that's the beef in the middle of the buns. And the last thing I want to share is pray boldly because healing is a home game. We think of it as an away game because it's not a part of our culture. But everybody you're praying for, every cell in their body is trying to heal right now. I mean, it's God designed us to heal. It is amazing. I mean, I, I cut my hands up all the time and my arms and everything else. Wendy looks at me and says, where'd you cut yourself? I'm always playing with tools and stuff. and I'm always scratching and doing stuff. And I'm just amazed in a couple of days it heals and it goes away. Every time you're praying for healing, you've got a tailwind. Because the person you're praying for, God designed that person to heal. And every cell in their body is pushing towards healing. Which is, it's, it's not an away game, folks. You're playing on a, on a home court. You've got the whole power of creation behind you. Because creation is built to heal and to move forward. You guys have probably seen some amazing healings just physically, just being nurses as you are. You just bodies want to heal. We're just helping them. <laughs> it's, just, it's not like we're making nature go backwards. We're pushing it the way it wants to go. And that's an awesome thing. I'm going to invite Tamara up here to, to do some ministry, but first I'm going to just close with a story. You notice I said close in the last one too. And so at, uh, when the pastor says close, you know what it means? Absolutely nothing. <laughs> nothing. Ellis Tomberlin. Ellis Tomberlin, uh, one of the sweetest people I ever ministered to out in Washington State, Olympic Peninsula, lived in a shack much like this one. I didn't have a picture of it, but it looked just like that. He had a little wood stove, a potbelly stove, and he cooked his, I told you guys about this lots of times, cooked his vegetables on top of the potbelly stove in cans. Just open the can, and it would sit there, and he would just eat canned vegetables. That's all he ever ate. And uh, he was a hermit. And his wife died the day after they got married in a car wreck. And he just went off and lived in the woods the rest of his life. He was 82. And there he was. And Ellis was too shy to come to church, so I brought him communion. And just uh, liked to be by himself. And sweet guy, just sweet guy. And I got a call that he was in the hospital. And I went down to the 
Port Townsend Hospital, which at the time had four beds. And the charge nurse, who was a believer, called me aside and said, uh, Ellis has had a lot of massive heart attacks. He's not going to make it through the night. I'm glad you're here. Would you pray for him to prepare his heart for where he needs to go? Okay. So in I go. And I looked like I was about 12 at the time because I was really young and, and went in there and had no idea. Never run into this before. They don't teach you this in seminary. There's no role-playing thing with somebody dying in the bed. you know. So you, you go in there, okay. And I said, Ellis, how can I pray for you? And he said, I want to go home. And I said, home to be with Jesus? He says, no, stupid, my house. <laughs> <laughs> So I, said, I grabbed his hand. I said, I did not have faith for this. And I said, Lord, I pray that Ellis is home eating his vegetables from his can in his little hut that he loves. He smiled. Thank you. And so I was walking out. The charge nurse yelled at me afterwards. What kind of pastor are you? He's going to die tonight. You gave him false hope. Great. So I come home, ask Wendy. Wendy asked, how'd it go? Oh, great, wonderful. Yeah, just, uh, <laughs> this great encounter. It was awesome. And so I went back the next day to see if he was still alive. And his bed, his bed was made up. And I thought, oh, no. <laughs> He's gone. And as I was walking down the other hall, he was in another room, dressed, getting dismissed. He said, I'm going home. And I said, That's exactly how he sounded, too. I'm going home. And so... He went home, and two years later, I buried him. He just wasn't ready yet. He, he just liked his life. He really did, and he wanted to go home. And that taught me something about the power of God in prayer. And I needed to learn that lesson from the very beginning. I just, I just hope that we can all grow a little bit in our daring when we pray. And to keep this nameless woman, who I wish I knew her name, that just reached for the robe and said, if I touch that, the power of God's going to flow through me. And I'm going to be healed. I'm going to be made strong. And the rest of her life, she was. So, Tamara, it's over to you. Um, was talking about... Um what I'd been praying about uh, over in the prayer meeting was sometimes um, we need a physical healing. There's something wrong with us physically, but I'll, there are times when our hearts and our spirit need healing more. And that happened to me um, many years ago. Uh, for those of you that have known me for a long time, you remember my wrist thing. I had several surgeries. I had had an accident, and then I got another accident, and then it was just weeks. So every time I would go to pick something up, I would tear a tendon or a ligament, and I'd put, got pins put in two or three times. I forget now. So back in was it 2008, I'd been at Target, picked up a plastic empty box. Didn't weigh anything. Picked it up with both hands, and I felt it rip again. One of the ligaments rip. I was pissed. Can I say that in church? Sure, I can. I was so mad um, that it happened again. And so they put me in a brace again. I knew the whole thing. My my orthopedic surgeon was just like, you're back. I know, just don't even go there. And 
we were having an alpha healing. Do you remember this? Because he knew where my mental status was and my spirit was because I told him if God had wanted me healed, he wouldn't have ever let it happen. So I didn't wasn't at that point trusting that God was going to heal me. And I actually told him, um, stick a fork in me, I'm done. So do you remember that? His, he was so like, his mouth was on the floor because he realized where I was spiritually. Not just physically, but spiritually. And so we were having Alpha Healing Night. And if you've ever been to that, I know we're doing it on Zoom, but, you know, I can't wait till we can do it in person because being in the same room with everyone and doing the healing, there is something powerful in that. And I know it can happen over Zoom. I've seen stuff happen, but being in the same room spiritually is is another thing. And so um, that night, I just wanted to run out of the room. I didn't want to be there. I was just done with it. And it took every ounce of my being not to run away. And so the healing process is starting and God's going, you need to go up for healing. I'm like, uh-uh, nope, not going to do it because you're going to disappoint me yet again. And um, and so as I sat there, I just said, you know what, Lord, this can't keep going on. And so he gently said, your, your wrist doesn't need healing. Your heart and your spirit do. And I went, shoot, you're right. I know. So I ran, I went up, um, got finally was able to stand up and go. And I do remember who it was. And it's only because these two people are, were close to me. And it was Cindy and Pastor Luther. And they go, oh, we know what you're wanting healing for. And I said, no, you don't. They're like, well, it's for your wrist. I said, nope, not at all. I said, my heart, my spirit need healing. I go, that's the only way my wrist will actually ever heal. And they both looked at me, we're crying, they're praying, and their prayers were in love because they knew me, and they loved me, and so they prayed for my heart and my spirit. I ended up having to get another surgery with pins in it, but that was the last time. I haven't had any real problems or anything after that, so I was healed. It didn't look like the miraculous healing that we are want. I've seen that. I've had that happen to me before, um, but this healing was a deeper healing. It was a better healing. Than him. If God would have just healed my wrist, I would have just gone, oh, whatever. Great. I got healed. You know, thank you, Lord. But this one was more impactful to me because he healed me on a deeper level. Now, as I was thinking, how says, oh, let's do some healing um, prayers and stuff. And I thought, well, normally when we do that, we gather around the person, lay hands, and we can't do that. So I've been pondering, asking the Lord, please help me, Lord. I don't know what to do with this. And I realized that it's it's an act on our part as well. And so if you need a physical healing, if you need a mental healing, a a heart healing, a spirit healing, um, whatever type of healing you need, stand up. Now we got Linda in the back, Sebastian, Wendy, Jen, okay, Carolyn, and I'm sorry, I don't know your name, David, okay, David, okay, anyone else, all right, Andrew, and those around them, I want you to um, just reach out to them, you don't have to touch them, but reach out to them, 
unless you're family, then you can touch each other. Um, and I got, I just want you guys to start saying prayers. Start praying for these people. I'm not, I'm not going to say the prayer for you. I want you to look at them, love up on them, and just start praying for them. Father God, hear our prayers. Father God, I just come in agreement with all the prayers said today. Lord, we thank you for the healing that is happening right now in our bodies, in our minds, in our spirits, in our hearts. Lord, thank you for healing. Lord, just let your healing light continue in this room and as we walk out these doors. Let your healing power just flow, Lord, into each person. And Lord... As we walk out the door, if there's people that need healing, let them be attracted to us. Not us, but your power in us. And say, we want some of what that person has. Lord, let us be bold in our faith and bold in our prayers as we go out and about this week and pray for those that need healing. Lord, let us be like the woman who just touched the edge of your robe and knew she was going to be healed. Lord, let us let us be like that. Thank you, Lord, that you loved us so much, that you sent your son, that he died on the cross so that we could be a part of you that we can operate in your power. That we can be conduits of your love and your light. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. So we... Mm-hmm. Oh, that's right. Um, one of our Facebook people, hi guys, um, was healed. Uh, she had a cancer diagnosis and she's been watching and we've been praying for her. And she just said that her mind, body, and soul have been made new. Awesome. So if you've experienced healing today, if you experience healing, healing can come and can take a little time. Um, it can be immediate and it can happen over days. So 
I'm going to continue to pray that all the healing that is happening here today is going to continue. Um, if you want more prayer for it, write it on your connection cards. Those are the elongated uh, rectangular cards. Put down what you need prayer for or what we were praying for you today. Put it in the box in the back so that we can continue. Our prayer team can continue to pray for you. Um, healing can happen. And again, it we have to be open to it. We need to receive it. I'm not going to get soap all over my hands. Um, but we do need to be open to receive it. So that's it for today. We went over, so um, we wanted to let you guys go. No announcements or anything. Um, so be blessed. Um, continue to shine the light in this world. And uh, continue to pray. We'll see you guys next week. Bye. <laughs>